It was uh, February 2021, and uh, it was a cold town in Iowa where uh, Katie and Marcus Clay were expecting the birth of their second child. The day had started out uh, pretty typical. Marcus got up. He went to work. Uh, Katie was taking care of uh, their um, uh, one child at the time and uh, basically um, had uh, uh, her father come over, and he was hanging out, helping out, uh, watching uh, their son, and um, Katie was taking a nap, and uh, in the middle of her nap, her water broke. And so, of course, uh, right away, uh, they got word to her husband uh, at work, uh, you need to, you know, meet us at the, uh, at the facility. Um, Katie's mom also was uh, notified. Uh, she came over, the plan was she would come over, and uh, she would grab her daughter, uh, and uh, they kind of quickly grabbed a bunch of items uh, threw them in the car and uh, uh, began the drive to the birthing center where they would meet the midwife who was going to deliver uh, the baby. Uh, once they found out that they were pregnant, uh, Katie and Marcus basically decided, you know what, we're going to do things the old-fashioned way and just kind of keep this, like, simple. Well, they're driving to the birthing center, and uh, the contractions are coming fast and furious. They get about 15 minutes into the drive, and Katie tells her mom, Mom, we need to pull over. There's no way we're going to make it. And so mom pulls into this parking lot, and she gets out of the car. She races around to the other side, and there she opens the door. And by now, her daughter's got her feet up on the dashboard, and she is pushing. Before you know it, her baby boy is born right into the world. Well, as uh, all of that was taking place, uh, the midwife ends up meeting them there in the parking lot, kind of determines everybody's, you know, doing okay, but let's, let's get to the birthing center and let's kind of, you know, wrap things up. There's still some more work that needs to be done. You know uh, what's going on there. And so they, they start heading to the birthing center, and once they get there, uh, all of a sudden, without any kind of warning, Katie's water breaks again. And they're like, what is going on? And almost immediately, a second baby is born 22 minutes after the birth of his twin brother. Because apparently, in the spirit of doing things the old-fashioned way, they had never gotten an ultrasound. For if they'd gotten an ultrasound, they would have found out she was carrying twins. Moral of the story is, get the ultrasound, ladies. (laughs) But even more importantly, I think the lesson is, sometimes you end up with more than what you expected. There is a great example of that principle in Mark's action-packed telling of the life of Jesus. We're in this series all about uh, the book or the gospel of Mark, I want to encourage you, let's get into the word this morning, because what we want to find is all about the identity of Jesus, and so we're going to jump to Mark chapter 2 this morning, to just kind of give us a little bit of context before content. We last left the telling of Jesus' life in the middle of Mark chapter 1, where Jesus called a couple of sets of brothers to follow him. Uh, And these fishermen, they basically dropped everything, uh, and they went ahead and they began to follow Jesus. 
And the ministry of Jesus at that point kind of really takes off. Uh, we see there in the middle of the uh, first chapter of Mark that um, it's a Sabbath day and uh, Jesus and uh, his closest, earliest disciples, they're in the synagogue. Jesus is teaching in front of a whole bunch of people. And there in the crowd, there is this person, this man who is possessed by an evil spirit. Starts calling out to Jesus. And there in front of everybody, Jesus drives out the evil spirit from this man, delivering him, making him whole. Well, of course, it's in front of a whole bunch of people. Uh, They leave the synagogue and uh, they go to uh, Peter's house where Peter's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. And uh, Jesus uh, heals Peter's mother-in-law, removes the fever from her. She gets up, begins to wait on them, and word evidently quickly spread throughout town because that night, a whole bunch of people show up at Peter's house wanting a little bit more of what Jesus has to offer. Word has gotten around quickly uh, that Jesus is able to drive out evil spirits. He's able to heal the sick. And so a bunch of people show up and they're bringing their friends and, and Jesus starts to touch people and to heal people, to drive out spirits. I mean, it is a, an incredible evening. And again, word quickly gets around. Uh, in fact, uh, Mark even tells us that uh, there's this um, this man that is full of leprosy, who in that culture, if you've got leprosy, you uh, basically are banned from any kind of social interaction. You would be on the outskirts of town. Evidently, word had gotten to this little community of lepers, and so this guy takes it upon himself to go and find Jesus and begs for a healing. And Jesus does the unthinkable. He touches the man and he heals him. And it's like incredible about all of the word and what's taking place that Jesus is healing people. In fact, Mark even tells us right there at the end of chapter 1, he says, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. What I love about Mark's gospel, again, is that it's just like boom, boom, boom. All this action has taken place. This is the end of chapter 1, and already Jesus' fame is widely known. And so it's with that in mind, let's begin in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Here's what Mark tells us. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Man, there is so much going on in the white spaces here in what it is that Mark shares with us. I mean, as I'm 
reading through just these a few verses, I am picturing the reaction of this man and his buddies who brought him to Jesus. I mean, apparently, they had heard what everyone else had heard. That Jesus was capable of healing people, of touching them, of changing their lives, making them well again. And that's why they go through all of this trouble just so that they could bring their friend to Jesus. I mean, who knows how far they carried this paralyzed man? Was it uh, across the street? Was it a couple of blocks down the road? Did they come from across town or maybe even a neighboring village? But this guy has four friends who care enough about his care and his condition that they carry him around. Maybe they had done this almost every day for him so that he would get to where he would need to be. One place would be there at the synagogue so that people would come by and they would actually, in the kindness of their hearts, maybe give him uh, uh, some kind of gift of money or something. And, And they show up there at this house to a standing room only crowd. But they're not about to be deterred. There's no way they're going to give up. And so they make their way to the roof. And, and they start digging through uh, the roof and, and clearing away, you know, all the like, uh, stuff that would be like the hay or the straw, the, the mud, the branches, the leaves, whatever. They would clear it away and they start to lower Jesus down to or lower the paralyzed man down there to front of Jesus. I mean, they had gone to great lengths to make sure that their friend would get to Jesus. And lo and behold, they do all this work, and Jesus says to the guy, your sins are forgiven. I'm picturing at least one of his friends saying, that's all good and well, but he can't walk is what we're here for. And so in this moment, they're kind of thinking to themselves, well, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Does, he's, he's healed everybody else who came and brought their struggles to Jesus. Well, why in the world does he even go down the road of saying something like forgiving sins instead of making it so that he can walk? Apparently, Jesus knows something but they don't know. What Jesus knows is this man's got a bigger problem than not being able to walk. Jesus is seeing his suffering. He's aware of this man's uh, problem, of his condition. And Jesus knows exactly that the man's problem is not his physical limitations. It makes me wonder... If we ought to ask ourselves, is what you want from Jesus what Jesus wants for you? I mean, when we come to Jesus and we've got all these things that uh, we're weighed down with, all these things that are maybe on our prayer list, the items that we're coming to Jesus and it's like, hey, we we need you to do something here. Lord, will you take care of something there? Uh, Is what we want Jesus to do Is it anywhere close to what Jesus wants for us? I mean, we've all come to church, or at least to Jesus, or to some idea of God, for so many different reasons. 
Some of us, we want our kids to learn good morals, to learn good values. They, they need to get some good teaching to kind of like, I don't know, ward off the teaching or the culture that's all around them. Some of us have come looking for friendship. I know people who have come to Jesus or at least come to church just trying to find a date. Hoping to find somebody that, okay, they could share their life with. Lots of people, they come to, to Jesus, they come to God because they're looking for a healing. Heal my cancer. Heal my daughter. Heal my marriage. Jesus sees your suffering in all of those situations. He's aware of your condition. He's aware of your circumstances. He knows what's going on. He understands your problem. But is what you want from Jesus what Jesus ultimately wants for you? You see, the paralytic and and his friends, they wanted Jesus to heal him, to be able to make him walk again. And Jesus wanted so much more for this man. In fact, they're not the only ones who are having a problem with what Jesus is doing in this moment. Mark tells us in the very next line, he says, now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? The five men, you know, the four buddies and the paralyzed guy, they might be disappointed, but the religious teachers, they're infuriated with what it is that Jesus is saying and what it is that he's doing. I mean, things are just getting completely out of hand. It's one thing to be a miracle worker, but now Jesus is starting to act like God. It's blasphemous to equate oneself equal to God. And they're pointing it out and they're recognizing the fault in this guy, and there is no way that they are going to tolerate any kind of talk. Just so happens that their theology, it in fact is right. No one can forgive sins but God alone. Unfortunately, their evaluation of Jesus' identity is badly mistaken. And as they're dealing with this truth that Jesus is coming Uh, to do something that no one has ever done before. Uh, Everybody is hearing about, okay, Jesus is able to have this power to perform miracles. Uh, the, The word is getting out. Everybody's wanting to experience and to see what it is that Jesus is capable of doing, how he might interact with people. There was some incredible acts of demonstration of his power that people wanted to see and to experience for their own selves. People were coming to Jesus so that he might resolve their problem. You know, throughout the narrative scripture, uh, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, we see that the purpose of miracles is always deeper than what lies on the surface. For instance, uh, when God parts the Red Sea, It's not just to get the Israelites to the other side. 
He, he doesn't part the Red Sea just so that they can create the perfect Reels video to post for the world to recognize what was going on in their life. In fact, uh, this parting of the Red Sea was to show his people that he really is who he says he is. That he can be trusted. That they can place their lives in his hands. And so the miracle of parting the Red Sea was to point the people to God. When Elijah, great prophet, incredible spokesperson for God, when Elijah calls down fire from heaven to burn up the sacrifice that's been placed on the altar, he's not doing it just to show off. But the miracle gives credibility and authority to Elijah. Because Elijah was uh, the prophet of God standing up and speaking the truth when all the prophets of Baal and other false gods were leading the people astray. And so this miracle was pointing to the fact that Elijah was the messenger of God. And you should listen to him. You see, the purpose of that miracle is to give evidence for the claim being made by the person who is doing the miracle. And so the same thing happens in the life of Jesus throughout New Testament scriptures. What's the purpose of the miracle? I mean, he's healing people. He's calling out evil spirits. What is it that these miracles are supposed to be doing? It's so much deeper than just what lies on the surface. And so Mark makes it clear for us. And it makes sense that he would go on to say that uh, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking. They're they're thinking, hey, what in the world is going on here? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so he knows that they're thinking that. And he says to them, why are you thinking these things? Then he goes on and he says, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. You might be looking at this and saying, is this a trick question, Jesus? Are you messing with us? Uh, But as we look a little bit deeper into what it is that Jesus is posing, we recognize anybody could say, hey, your sins are forgiven. But how do we know? I mean, if... You offend me and I say, I forgive you. That's one thing. But if we're talking about the sins, plural, and the sins that remove us from God, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, how in the world would we know if, in fact, they've been forgiven? But, but certainly, somebody could easily say, get up and walk, and we would be able to see the evidence right away. And so Jesus offers, which one's easier? We might have to ask ourselves, how hard is it to forgive sins? How easy is it to say, get up and walk? I mean, so far throughout Jesus' life, I mean, he's been healing lots of people. People are coming to him, and, and he's touching them, and he's healing them, and he's drastically changing their lives, and people are taking notice And he's gaining quite the following. In fact, everywhere he goes, people are clamoring to him. 
There's this incredible account in the early parts of Mark chapter 1 where Jesus is praying early in the morning. He's having his quiet time with his father. And the disciples eventually find Jesus in the midst of just his quiet time, in the silence and in the darkness of night still. And they come to him and say, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. Jesus is gaining this incredible following. People are coming to Jesus and they want him to resolve their problems. And so now that he's got everybody's attention, it's in this moment that he makes this incredible claim about his identity. Look at what Jesus says. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus is pushing all of his chips into the middle. He's like, I am all in here. And as he begins to reveal his identity, I mean, Jesus could have easily healed this guy. I mean, he has the power to make this guy walk again. And he didn't need to bring up the whole sin issue at all. In fact, if Jesus would have made the lame man walk without even mentioning the sins in his life or the forgiveness that was needed, the man, he would have been happy. His friends, they would have been relieved. The crowds, they would have been impressed. What a great show. This is so cool. Again, another life that's been changed by Jesus. But that wasn't his deepest need. And Jesus knew that. It's not your deepest need either. Whatever it is that you come looking for Jesus to heal, to mend, to resolve, to repair in your life, that's not your deepest need. Whatever it is that you spend time on the knees and crying out to God, to move in mighty ways, whether it's in your life or someone that you love desperately, and you're asking God to do something about their condition, that is still not their greatest need. Jesus knows that. I mean, we'll pray, Lord, if you'll just heal her body, everything will be okay. Or, Lord, if you'll give us a baby, then we'll be happy. Lord, if you'll heal our relationship, all will be better. Will it? I mean, you already know the answer to that question. We can heal the sickness without showing your hands. How many of you have had COVID more than once? I mean, we, we, we want God to heal us and make us better. And he might move. He might help us. He might resolve us. Those of you, even, let's go even deeper. Those of you who were diagnosed with cancer and, and remission came and then it returned. So in that healing, does that really make everything better? Your deepest need is not what lies on the surface. Our deepest need goes much deeper and Jesus knows that. 
He's aware of what's going on in our life. He knows that all of these other things are symptoms of a bigger problem. The bigger problem is the sin that's corrupted this world and growing in our heart. You don't need someone to grant your wishes. What you need is you need Jesus to go deeper than that and forgive your sins. You know, the New Testament scholars point out that it's in this moment, right here in the second chapter of Mark, where the shadow of the cross begins to fall across Jesus' path. By letting the religious leaders know that uh, he's not just a miracle worker, but he's the sin resolver. You and I might call it the savior of the world. By doing this, he's taken an irreversible step down the path to his death. He knows that. He knows that by making this claim that he is equal, that he is God, that he is destined for the cross. And so Mark tells us, right there in this moment, as Jesus tells the man to get up and to take his mat, the man got up, he took his mat, and he walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. It's an incredible display of Jesus' power. But more importantly, what they had never seen was they had never seen anyone claim to be God and then prove it with their actions. It's in the process of dealing with what this man thought was his greatest need. Jesus revealed an even deeper truth. What the man really needed was Jesus himself. And so I would offer what we learn from this whole encounter is that we don't just settle for healing when your deepest need is the healer. And so I want to give you a little bit of an assignment and, and spend some time this next week and write down a list of all of those things that you continue to pray to God about. All those things that you want him to move in. Because I know that in my list of what I come to God and say, hey, I would love for you to work in this way. I would love for you to do this thing. Uh, The question would be, once we see all these things that we want God to do in our life, are we placing all of our hope? Are we placing all of our trust? Are we placing all of our joy in whether or not they're going to come true? Or are we placing all of our hope, all of our joy, all of our trust in Jesus himself? Don't just settle for the healing when your deepest need is the healer. What is it that you want from Jesus? Is it the same thing that Jesus wants for you? You see, he knows the deepest desires of your heart, and he knows how to heal it. I want to invite you to recognize that we come all the time with all these things in our minds of what we want Jesus to do, and all along what Jesus really wants to do is go deeper 
and invite us to trust in him and him alone and what it is that he has done on our behalf there on the cross. He's resolved all those deeper issues if we'll just trust in him. Jesus told us, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Many times we might interpret that verse to think that gaining the whole world is just nothing but riches and fame. But truly, when we think about gaining a healing or gaining a restoration or a relationship, it still doesn't measure to whether or not our hearts have been healed. My prayer is that you'll trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You'll recognize that what he wants to heal is not your circumstance, but he wants to heal your broken heart, the heart that has been removed from God. And only he's the one that's capable of doing that. He did it on the cross for you. Have you responded to him and trusted in him as your Savior? You can do that today. Uh, You've got a connect card that you can access, and you can say, I want to choose Jesus. We can have that conversation. Uh, You can accept Jesus in your heart. We need to have a conversation to help you uh, recognize that Jesus has come to deliver you and to make you whole. Pray with me. Lord God, we are so grateful for your love and for your mercy, for your grace and for your care. Lord, we're so thankful for the way that, that you show us that you can be trusted that you show us that you are who you say you are. Lord, I pray that in our coming to you with all of these needs that we recognize, uh, our deepest need is really your presence. Our deepest need is for Jesus in our life. Lord, I pray that we would trust in his presence, that we would trust in his power. And no matter the outcome, we still have reason to praise. It's in your son's name that we pray all of this. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and, uh, this morning as we just close in a time of worship and to recognize that God moves whether we see it or not.